welcome to Ana Conversations with Myanmar. If you'd like to add your voice to the conversation here at Ana, please reach out to us through any of our social media platforms or you can email us directly. This conversation features Tin Mang, a student, activist and researcher in labor and trade unions in Myanmar. Since the coup, he has participated in the protests and has been involved in a number of peaceful resistance efforts in Myanmar. Most recently, he has joined the Blood Money Campaign as a researcher. The Blood Money Campaign is a non-violent campaign strategy comprised of a team of core activists from different backgrounds such as labor, students, peace and education. The aim of the Blood Money Campaign is to stop all payments to the illegal Myanmar junta, particularly those from the Myanmar oil and gas enterprise, also known as Mogi. They are calling on companies to freeze all payments to Mogi and instead keep the funds in an escrow account until the civilian government is reinstated in order to help the revolution in Myanmar succeed. Here he shares his own personal insights into the situation in Myanmar while also sharing the goals and strategies of the blood money campaign. Let's start the conversation. So thank you for joining us today. And we know that you are one of the people behind the Blood Money Campaign. So if you um, wouldn't mind just maybe introducing yourself a little bit for our listeners and telling them a little bit about who you are or maybe what you were doing before the coup in February this year. Okay. Yeah, I was a student and also a researcher before the coup. And I'm interested in the labor issue of Myanmar and the trade unionism in Myanmar, that, that was my interest before the coup. And also after the coup, I participated and joined with the projects in Yangon and working together with my cameras from my university and, yeah, my friends. Right now, I'm still participating in the campaign, like Blood Money campaign. And I'm also finding out some information relating to the workers inside the countries, especially in Yangon. So, yeah, this is my, my story. Yeah, that's all I want to say. And sorry because for the security reason, I just don't want to share the more information more than that. So sorry for that. That's absolutely fine. Yeah, now that's more than enough just to get a sense of your background and the areas in which you're, you're working in. So in terms of, I guess, the blood money campaign, do you want to tell us a little bit about that and, and the people behind it or how it came to be? Okay, so uh, right now the blood money campaign is a little bit famous and most people are interested in this campaign right now. Before that, uh, one of my sister from the trade union told me to join the blood money campaign and we need a researcher and a activist, a young people who know very well about how to find the information and how to read and write English very well. And some people want me to join in the blood money campaign and I participated in this. Before that, they created this campaign as a result of non-violence campaign strategy class. After that, they created this campaign as a class work and not to really work in the real world. But after that, they thought that the, the issue we are handling right now is very important for the sake of revolution and to win from our people's side. We need to do much more than that. Not just like a small project inside the class, but like the real project to hold many inflow to the military council and the military leadership in Myanmar. So at the time I joined and at the start of the campaign, we worked together. These things are very new for the people like me, the young people and also other like generations that young people in Myanmar 
because it's very complex and we need to read a lot of things and information and to understand why we need to store the one gas setter, many inflow to the military and how it made uh, in the previous, especially in 1988 revolution and the total, how total wages the atrocity of the Myanmar military and how this corporation funded the military dictatorship in Myanmar. So we read together and also we asked the other expert who understand this thing and we requested the presentation and we try to understand ourselves and we created it together. So right now, most people are interested in the campaign and they all are interested in this thing right now. I think. So the campaign is, as you say, it is a non-violent resistance of the military regime. So do you see this blood money campaign as two things? One, to try and stop the flow of money that's coming to the military. And yes. would the second thing be that it's part of the wider CDM movement, encouraging people not to work with these businesses or do business? Yeah, like for sure, not to do business with these military and also military affiliated organization, also military affiliated business. But it is a little bit hard to say that we are part of the CDM movement because we call that CDM movement is the public service workers inside the country join the movement and resign voluntarily from their work. So we also call for the other people to do this kind of thing. But blood money campaign and the demand of our campaign, the first step and then the real target for now is to stop the money inflow to the Myanmar military-led state because we need to squeeze them financially. If they have a money, they will more oppress many people inside the country. So we have to demand this thing and just get about this thing for international. So the biggest revenue, source of revenue for the military is oil and gas, Mogi Enterprises. Is that correct? Yes, yes. So in your campaign, is the aim to ask Total and Chevron to stop doing business with the Myanmar military? Are we asking the governments to sanction um, Mogi or both? So right now, the demand we are making is to freeze the money inflow to the one ESCO account and just not to use this money. This money will make the military have a greater power financially and they'll use them to buy the weapon and to oppress more people. Yeah, this is a story we all know that, right? But regarding what the sanction and also to stop working in Myanmar, this is a little bit complex and we need to consider like a politician or like the consequences of this thing at the time. But right now, what we are calling for is to freeze this money when the one escrow account. We're not telling to stop immediately right now or to sanction and also on the sanction, and we call like if the Chevron or Total will stop the money, if the government sanction against this organization, we agree that if the sanction is the only way to stop the money inflow. But sometimes we're a little bit afraid to explore our idea, like in, in the negligent ways so without considering the consequences. So that's the reason why I'm a little bit reluctant to, to say the sanction is the only best way to stop working in Myanmar is the only best way. Uh, we're not sure yet. But I think the feasible option for them is to start the money inflow to the hunter for the various reasons, because the military take a coup without the consent of the people and they have to restore the democracy right now in Myanmar. So yeah, by this reason, children wouldn't need to start money inflow right now. Yeah, so what you're basically saying is that all you want is that money frozen right now. Just do not give the money to the military. That is your ask. And obviously, sanctions and all of that are, if they happened, that would be great. But otherwise, your, your ask is quite simple. Just freeze the money, put it in a different account. Do not give that money to the military. 
Yes, we are very clear. We have to be very clear in this thing because right now also sanction is a very, how can I say, a lot of people are talking about this thing right now, like uh, the target sanction on the MOG or also other labor unions and the labor federation in Myanmar also calling for the comprehensive sanction to stop every business working with the international business in Myanmar. Yeah, so personally for me, uh, individually, personally, I feel like these kind of things are a little bit uh, how say, hard to say for me. So there's a reason why I tend to answer uh, but the blood money campaign is very clear. We want to stop immediately right now to, to add this money in a one frozen escrow account. That's all. So you, you think that by asking for them to do this, it's an easier ask that should not take too long by keeping it yeah, simple. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. It is easier, easier and also feasible, we think. And also, as far as I understand, by doing some research on the oil and gas sector, there was a one uh, one project called Yedana project and the offshore one gas uh, project. Uh, it is doing business with the joint venture with the MOG and the Total. So so today has some benefits, but I think about 1.5 billion US dollar in in the coming year, state council will receive this kind of money as an income from the MOG. So we have to stop right now this amount of money inflow to the military. Mm-hmm. So I guess the number one reason to stop the money is because, as you say, they can buy weapons, they can pay their soldiers, all of these things. But also there is, I guess, other people who say that if this money is frozen or if these entities are sanctioned, that it would have, you know, perhaps like China would come in or Russia would come in. Have you heard those arguments? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have this kind of argument. Like for this case, uh, yeah, the first one is the Russia and the China will come to Myanmar and uh, invest when these uh, total and Chevron uh, go back to the countries. So in this case, two ten, we are not calling this organization to start right now and go back to the country. But if we need, if they are still giving these money to the military, we have to demand. But right now, it is very simple. They just need to freeze the money inflow, right? So this one then. The second thing is that, uh, like, especially for the one project, uh, in, uh, one guess, uh, the, the project, this, this project, the, the life length of this project is maybe in next five years. After that, there will be no while and, and guess output from this project because this, this project will end in next five years. So it is very critical for us to, uh, about one of a billion US dollar is very critical for the revolution. So if total reject to work in this Yedna project, they just need to freeze the account and no one will take this Yedna project because the economy of scale, how can I say, the economy of scale of this project is really, yeah, the next owner will lose in this project. So this is a very feasible one. If they neglect to pay money to the state council in the Yedna project, this is what we are calling for. And also we have to talk about the other one guest. Uh, but right now, the reason why uh, we calling for the Tudor and Chevron emphasizing is that like mm-hmm. it is very important, uh, and and also Tudor and Chevron is a very critical role in this kind of like, many inflow to the, to the military. What you're saying is very similar to to what John Tipton from Human Rights Watch said to us as well that this is a dying industry with about three to five years left. No one's going to want to come in and take over this. Like that's a that's a kind of ill informed uh, argument. So similar to what you're saying. So obviously, you've also done your research. So if we uh, move away from Mogi, and I think we understand exactly what Blood Money Campaign is asking for there. And if we look at the garment workers and this call for international businesses to not continue putting in orders in Myanmar, are you also asking for that in the Blood Money Campaign? This kind of question is very debatable. It's a debate happening right now, even in our team, uh, because 
in the history, ascension made the people separated from each other. Some people agree on the Korean ascension and some people agree on the target ascension. And if people agree on the target ascension, these people will think that the other people who agree on the Korean ascension, you don't know how to fight such kind of thing. So some people thought that this is a kind of tactic uh, we uh, they made to, to separate the democratic force inside uh, the country like X. So we still haven't decided yet. So we call for the like Black Bandit campaign will call for the Korean ascension or call for the target ascension. But we are very sure that if these government factories, if they are paying money to them, the state council and to the military government, we reject it and we will demand to stop this kind of money inflow to the military. So the aim and the objective of the Black Bandit campaign is to stop every money inflow to the military and to the state council. But on the other hand, we have to take care of the consequences of our decision and the outcome of the, our demand. Like, for example, like comprehensive extension, if we call, a lot of people will lose their jobs and employment rate will raise immediately and it will be really hard for the working class people and worker inside the industrial zone. So these are the ongoing debate right now, even in our team. But I think maybe in the next one or two weeks, we can ask, I can answer more how blood money campaign is approaching due to the problem happening right now in the government center. But Personally, and also individually for me, I think that right now is not a good time to use the community ascension as a tool to oppress the military regime. Because as I said before, uh, a lot of workers will lose their job. And even some workers inside the factory estate think that we agree at the community ascensions. And if we sacrifice our current jobs, we will win in this fight. So in that case, I think it is a good reason and especially organized workers agree on this view and this opinion. And also some, some workers are still considering and we simply don't want to lose our jobs. So we still need to have a job, need to have an income. So yeah, this is the, the ongoing debate right now inside the country yeah. and also for the people like the labor union, trade union, and also other organizations who, who agree on the target ascension. So yeah, this is happening right now in Myanmar. And on the other hand, the Labor Alliance Group, the CTUM, Confederation of Trade Union Myanmar, also the Federation of General Welcome Myanmar is a part of the Blood Money Campaign. And also ABFDU, Obama Federation of Trade Union, is also the part of the Blood Money Campaign calling for the comprehensive extension and to stop all business right now inside the country. And also they think that uh, right now is a very hard situation for business to do because Right now, it's a military leadership. So every business who work with the military and every business who work with crony can continue their work. Apart from these corporate, uh, there will be no organization who can work right now. So, so yeah, there are many arguments, data, and other story, support, reject, target extension, community extension, and this is the ongoing debate. So for the blood money campaign right now, we just want to emphasize on the, the one guest center. And it's really important. And we have to make aware of the 1.5 billion US dollar, which are on the way to the military. And we have to stop this kind of things right now. I don't know whether you know the answer, but presumably the wages of the factory workers aren't going up. They're staying the same. But prices of food and prices of things is escalating in the country. Will it become the case their wages aren't worth their worth eventually if the food prices keep going up? Yeah. If the price of commodity and foods height dramatically due to the, the instability in the macroeconomy, but the wages of the workers are still same. And also even most of the factory, they reduce their minimum wages. Before the coup, the minimum wages rate of the workers is a 4,800 per day. This is for the permanent worker and also 
sometimes daily worker also also receive this amount of money. But after the coup, uh, most of the factory reduced this minimum wages to the three thousand and six hundred, three thousand six hundred check. So even worker had been decreased their wages, daily wages, even below the law, even below the minimum wages law. But on the other hand, the commodity price and and the food price uh, increasing. My thinking here is that there surely will, if these food prices keep increasing, there's surely going to become a point where for the factory workers, by working, they're not still not able to feed their families. So it will be the case that the decision of whether to like go on strike or whatever is taken out of their hands because they just can't afford to feed their families anymore because they're not being paid enough money and it's not sustainable. Yes, yes, I agree with you in, in that opinion. But on the other hand, some factories owned by the one Japanese investor uh, give uh, the 4,800 daily wages and uh, like trying to protect their employee and uh, with the law and still trying to obey the law even in the time of turmoil. And so, so it is a little bit hard to say that, yeah, I agree that uh, most of the factories inside the countries are faced in, in the very bad situations and, and workers facing very bad situation and difficulties right now. On the other hand, some factories who have accountability and responsibility for their employee and workers are kind of a good example for the other workers because I got a chance to talk with one worker who work beside this kind of factory. And she told me that she told me that she is, she went to work in that factory because the service received in that factory is better than them, even in the current situation. So. A lot of bad things are also happening. And also, on the other hand, some part of the economy are still doing well. But we're not sure, right? Maybe in, in this week, this factory will close immediately and they will lose their, their jobs. And I don't know, even though without the sanction, because of the political instability happening right now, no one interested to invest in Myanmar at all. And also, some brands are trying to order the supply for the supply chain, though. The instability and the pressure made by the military to the, to the general public. Also for the people with business in Can and working class are uh, facing a lot of difficulties right now. So yeah, I think the policymaker in Myanmar and also right now kind of like NUG and the other organization has a good opinion and a good strategy to, to, to solve this kind of problem, I hope. And uh, like for me individually, yeah, that's all I can say. One of the things somebody has said to me about the garment workers is, you know, not only is it a strategy to like everyone stop working strategy, which people, some people believe needs to happen because if half the country stays working, then, you know, it's not going to bring the military down. But other people have said if these international businesses cease their operations, they would have to give proper severance payments to the workers, which would be better for them than all of the businesses having to fold or not being able to continue. You know, if they make an executive decision to withdraw from Myanmar, then those workers would be looked after with a proper severance package of pay that would be quite life-saving for a lot of them. Yeah, this is an interesting argument. But I think as far as I understand, along my research, kind of like factory closure, factory closure, I think when the factory closed, a worker has a right to receive the compensation from the employer. Right. Also, it has a law described by the law, the Myanmar labor law right now. But the problem is that uh, if we see the strike happen less three or four years, uh, the reason of strike based on the compensation they did not receive when they lost the job. So we cannot say, say that like if the executive from maybe Adidas or Zara store the order from Myanmar at the time, Myanmar government factory were closed and worker will receive the compensation and it will solve the problem. 
uh, right now. I think uh, Wakao will not receive the enough money for sure because even they face right now, they had wage gaps after the coup and even in the kind of the economic instability situation is really high. So yeah, I don't think so for me personally. Uh, Wakao will not receive the compensation enough. So in terms of then... Some of the reports we saw early on in the protests, like we saw some garment workers leading a lot of those early protests, but we've heard stories of them being locked into their factories and not being let out by employers. So there, there sounds like there's some really horrific conditions some of these workers are, are facing. Yes, yes. Yeah, I also had this kind of news too. And to my knowledge, yeah, we can say that the workers are right now in a horrific situation. Yeah, most of the workers in garment factories need to work the overtime a lot and employer act for the overtime. But right now, I think they did not face this kind of thing because people cannot strike during this day because military is trying to kill the peaceful protester uh, in Yangon. And we had news every day of how military in Yangon kill normal people and normal people who is going on the street, Yangon street. But soon after the coup in February, in, in Mesh, sand factories are trying to close their factory door to workers not to join with the strike. But workers workers attempt to break the doors and they join, I think. Yeah, a lot of workers are very active when the strikes uh, on the on the Yangon streets. And these workers uh, came from the industrial zone of Yangon to the downtown, to the every part of the Yangon and, and on the street and the demand for the democracy. Yeah, workers were in the leading role. But right now, the economic difficulties and also social difficulties and also the very cruel and brutal operation of military right now, the nonviolent protests that we cannot do right now. But some students are still doing, some student unions are still doing on the streets of Yangon. But they just spent in the one area of the Yangon and strike about three or five minutes and marching about 10 meters and then and need to hide and separate uh, immediately. So yeah, this is the situation right now. Yeah, it, it sounds like, you know, this boycott of these fashion brands is not, it's not going to be solved yet. It sounds like there's still a lot of discussion and debate to be had, but I think it's important that we listen to the voices of the garment workers rather than the international businesses. And I think that it's ensuring that it's their voices that we hear. But I do accept that it's not a huge amount of money for the military from the garment industry anyway. So I don't know that it's going to hurt them a lot. But I assume if you keep going to work in any industry right now in Myanmar, is there a threat to you from bombing as being seen as pro-military because you're still going to work every day? Is that a real concern? Uh, you mean the pro-military business are still working, right? Yeah, or any work. Like, is it okay to go to work as long as it's not a military-affiliated business right now? Or do people see anybody going to work as like supporting the military or not not participating in the wider strikes? Yeah, people are still going to work, but the city gorillas uh, fight in the different area of the town. But the activities of the Yangon and the activity of the other cities are reduced. Are really low right now. Are not very active. On the other hand, some factories and some business are still going on. But I'm not sure how people think their business is related to the military or not because Myanmar economy is a little bit complex. And even like for me, I will not exactly know when I work as accountant in one company. But this director is affiliated with the, the military. But I don't know exactly, or maybe because it's hard to know for the people like workers in the middle class. And Myanmar society is also one of the kind of the militarized society. And I have read one paper about the, the Myanmar military capitalism in Myanmar. 
in that report explained about the over 3 million people are related to the Myanmar military and the military institution and military business. Also, the business happening right now, like doing work in Myanmar, uh, also the crony and who affiliated with the military to some extent, somehow. Also, the boycott of the, the military sabuta are also the very high right now and people are really active to boycott the military product. But most of the people don't have an option to choose apart from the other people because of the dominance of the military in my society is really huge for my understanding. I guess the other thing is like, it seems like you yourself are very much in support of a nonviolent means to end this military. And that seems to be what, what is at the heart of the blood money campaign. But we're seeing, I guess, a turn in events over the last few weeks where the people's defense forces have started to defend themselves by using arms. So, does that worry you, this turn of a more violent approach to taking down the military? For me, personally, I think sometimes violence cannot, cannot solve the every problem, especially we face the, the very huge institution like the military. In my mind, and for me personally, I agree that we need to use uh, also M resistance and also the non-violent resistance too. Because people in Myanmar, we are waiting for the action from UN or calling for the international community to do something about uh, our demand for the democracy. But later we understand it was nonsense to wait uh, to help from the international community or to solve the problem in the table with the military. It was a kind of like drain to solve the problem happening in Myanmar right now. So we think that people has had no option. And most people decided to use the armed resistance that was necessary for the revolution to win in Myanmar 2021 spring revolution. Like this is only for me. Yeah. And also I hope, I hope my cameras who join the armed resistance and, and they will win. And I'm also on the other hand, I'm, I'm also trying to support them, but I am just doing what I can do as a non-violence to do a campaign and to inform the other people and to research to start their military business. Yeah, like one of the things we hear, especially in the international community from diplomats and UN officials is, you know, they're very much against any violent resistance. But at the same time, you guys are asking very clearly for a non-violent approach by simply stopping money getting to the military. And yet that hasn't happened, you know, so the international community could help by ensuring that that money does not get to the military without violence needing to happen. But it seems like they seem very, very reluctant to do that. Yeah, of course. That was the, the, what these international do. People did not start the violence. Militaries did start the violence. Military did kill first the one people just who demanding the democracy, who demanding his rights uh, in very peaceful way. But some people think that like, if people protest in the one public area, there will be the traffic jam and for other like people, older people will, and also other people have the right to use this kind of public area. So. But, but a lot of people and all of other countries demanded for the democracy and demanded for the government we elected and to abolish the military dictatorship in Myanmar. But no one at the time, also people, uh, yeah, we stand with the people in Myanmar, right? But still, they are still doing, uh, saying we stand with people in Myanmar, even the time military, like, how can I say? Like for me, people had not have a, the option to choose when the revolution, because there's a reason why people believe that only non-violence cannot solve the problem at all. We should consider the M resistance uh, to fight against the military and dominance of the military. Is there anything that we in the international community can do more to help? So just even regular people in different countries, what, what can they do to kind of help this situation? 
non-blood banning campaign is calling for the other international community to stop every many inflow to the Myanmar military. So I want the people from international community to participate in our campaign and to demand their government, like especially from Europe, Germany, and France. They should demand the government to stop working business with military hunter and do research more how military business is doing in Myanmar and still supporting uh, who joined the civil disobedience movement in Myanmar and still trying to support the financially these people. Yeah, that's all for me to uh, simply we are calling for the consumer strike, right? Because uh, people are protesting against the, the protests of military right now. Also, also I, I wanted to request other people from international community to participate in kind of consumer boycott, like reject the wild from Total if Total did not agree with you, or reject the wild from Chevron if Chevron did not agree with the Myanmar people inside the country. So that's all yeah, for me. And what can we expect to see over the next month in terms of, we know we saw like some online protests and we saw those hashtags trending over the last couple of weeks. What can we expect next? Yeah. I think we still need to have a discussion and also still need to do research and which will be our second target. But on the other hand, we still need to win in the first target. If maybe the next week today and Chevron announced that they will us call this many, they will, they will give this many to the one school account. Yeah. At the time, we will consider our second target strategically. But we are still considering, on the other hand, though, during this year, we are emphasizing on the one cassette. So, yeah, you're going to keep promoting the sanctions on Myanmar oil and gas over the next, until it happens, I guess. That's going to continue to be the main focus for you guys. Yes, yes, exactly. So people just continuing to retweet and using those hashtags and sharing your posts on their social media could be an easy way to kind of help. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much for interviewing us. and. Yeah, like just one thing is that like sometimes I just want to be sure that some answers are for me like individually and personal opinion and some are for the Bad Money campaign and most of the things are based on my experience and based on my understanding. So if like, especially about the non-violent issue, violent issue, this was my personal idea uh, and this was what I'm doing. And Bad Blood Money campaign is aimed for the non-violent action and to improve the public awareness of the military business in Myanmar. And we just want them uh, at least to question the environment, especially in Myanmar, and how military dominant in politics and economy. Yes, that's all. That's great. Thanks very much. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to RNR Podcast. You can follow us on all major social media platforms. It's at RNR Podcast, spelled A H N A H. Please like, follow, and subscribe. Myanmar remains in our hearts and thoughts. We have not forgotten you. Let's keep the conversation going.